We may be outnumbered, under-resourced, and emotionally drained at times, but we teachers like Kevin McAllister in the holiday classic Home Alone are resourceful, resilient, and ultimately victorious. Because even in the face of endless homework revisions and standardized test anxieties, educators are still working their hardest to make learning more fun for kids than, say, sliding down the stairs and out the front door. So, Buckle up, educators and learners, because in this episode, we're leaving the traps of the day-to-day grind behind and ziplining into the proverbial treehouse full of hilarious, surprisingly heartwarming connections to our classrooms and staff rooms. Welcome to the Pop Culture Winter Wonderland. Welcome back to the Grounded Learners Guild. The podcast that gets real about education, authentic leadership, and the transcendent power of being a part of a highly functioning team. Here are your very own guildmates and hosts, Casey Veach, Emily Coakland, and me, Jenny Labrie. Believe it or not, we are back with some pop culture playground episodes here. So we do this in the wintertime or in the summertime when there's a little bit of time away from the daily grind. This is a nice way to keep things going, keep some content coming out for our listenership, but also make it a little bit more fun, a short format and laid back. And while you are getting ready for the holidays or enjoying your break or staying at home, One of the ways we like to bring this content to you is through a game we call Six Degrees of Education, where we take pop culture, music, movies, TV, and in this case, our favorite nostalgia media and make connections to our world of leadership, education, and working with those that you care about and are close to you. And as usual, we have some norms. The first norm, probably the only norm, is that We are trying to do this in under 20 minutes. Always a challenge for us. The next one, if you call it a norm, is the spoilers could follow. But come on, guys. The thing that we are recording tonight is plus 30 years. If you haven't seen Home Alone by now, come on. And then I guess it's something to say, not necessarily a norm, but a disclaimer here. We are recording from a studio, not studio, slash hotel room, right? So we're traveling. GLG is on the road. We're at the Learning Forward Conference in D.C. And so here we are hovering over one mic. This is real, (laughs) real technical now. So if the sound quality is a little off, it's because we are in a hotel room. This is also, I got to say, the first time we have ever recorded together in the same same room. room. Yeah, Jinx. Jinx. (laughs) Yes, that's true. And, you know, the last time we traveled, we were in different rooms and there might have been a rooster. We don't have that at least. (laughs) So I think we'll be a little better off, faring a little better tonight. So I don't know about the two of you, but the last time I saw Home Alone was actually about five days ago. Uh, We introduced my six-year-old and my three-year-old son to the movie for the first time. The three-year-old hated every minute of it. (laughs) The six-year-old eventually got used to it. But it's the story of a young boy, Kevin, played by Macaulay Culkin, who wishes for his family to disappear And the evening before the family goes to Paris on Christmas vacation, and it turns out through a series of unfortunate events, Kevin is left home alone um, while his parents and family are on their way. And his mom does everything she can to come back to him. But Kevin is left to fend for himself and protect his home from robbers who are kind of taking over the neighborhood during the holidays. So that's our basic gist refresher. 
And fun fact, for those of you that didn't know, Home Alone was kind of recorded in the Chicagoland area. The house. The house, technically. Yeah, so the Winnetka area has even you can go visit the house mm-hmm. the yep. exterior of the house anyway so as chicagoland area natives ourselves that's always yes. fun to see a little bit of a local flavor okay so kind of jumping right in to the plot of the movie and to try to make some connections to different things that we see here let's talk about kevin and his cheese pizza yes i think when the movie opens there are about 12 people in the house and in order to feed that number of people the night before holiday travel they decide to order a pizza But by the time Kevin gets to it, the pizza is absolutely gone. The one cheese flavor that he really, really, really wants. So what are some connections we can make? So not to be nitpicky about the details, but I swear to you, Buzz is eating that pizza. Mm -hmm. Like he is taking it away from Kevin on purpose so that he can't have it, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So Buzz is like that nasty bully little brother for those who are, not little brother, Kevin's little brother. brother. Yeah, Buzz is is the nasty big brother. He bullies Kevin all the time. So here's what I'm thinking of this cheese pizza as, is this is the thing that people are clamoring for, that they want, and that there's not enough of it to go around. So in the education world, I'm thinking of it like, particularly posh course schedule, like something that everybody kind of wants to get their hands on, but it's really hard to accommodate everybody with it. And I suppose in some situations, you could see somebody pull rank on somebody else in that way, maybe not as nastily as Buzz does. And uh, maybe they don't take it as personally as Kevin does. But I do think that there are things in our education world where we see teachers really going for that are kind of sought after, rare, and that they want. Well, and to me, when I think of this scene, I actually thought of the middle of the movie where because of what occurred at the very beginning with Kevin and not getting the pizza, when he is able to utilize that gangster movie for the first time. Keep the change, you filthy filthy animal. (laughs) (laughs) This is where you see his innovation kind of come in. And I think oftentimes in education, we operate from a scarcity system. It never seems like we have enough time. It never seems like we have enough resources to be able to do what our kids need to do. And so it's with this creativity and innovation that we often see teachers do some pretty incredible things with what they have. So that's the connection that I can make with Kevin and his pizza. Necessity breeds innovation. Nice. That's deep, Casey. Thank you. Mine, mine just goes with budgets. I think of, especially it's the opening scene and the parent and the uncle are, or the dad and the uncle are talking about like, how much did those 12 pizzas cost? Over a hundred bucks? You know, they're like, the, from the parent's lens, you think of the budgets or I'm thinking of even from a building administrative level or a district level, you've got a budget you got to stick to and this is what we're paying for for our pizzas. And then the kids in, in thinking of not to be so much on the nose with, uh, with hierarchy, but just even thinking about like you're, you get, you sometimes have to get and use what you have, right? Mm-hmm. And so Kevin, yep. he he didn't have the cheese, so he had to make some other pizza work. And that's how often we feel in our classrooms when we we may not have all the resources we have or that we want, but we have to be creative or innovative. And in that this way. is where yeah. he explodes. He has an outburst, and that's why he gets sent up to the attic room and mm-hmm. gets forgotten. Yeah. So we have to tread that line carefully yes. of when we aren't getting what we need of being able to work within the system to get access to it so we don't get left behind. Yep. 
Yeah. And bringing it full circle, I think sometimes it's knowing the difference between what we want and what mm-hmm. we need. Because I talked that. a lot about things people want, whereas maybe it's more about considering what people mm-hmm. need. Yep. Now, fun fact by way of a transition, <laughs> in that scene, you also see Kevin's plane ticket get thrown yes. away in the garbage. I, I just knew noticed that. That, that is how they don't notice there's an extra ticket when they're getting through yep. the airport because the tickets were printed out because the 80s, yeah. right? Yeah. Was it the 80s or the yeah, 90s? 1990. It was 90, 90 even, 90? right? Yeah. I think. Yeah. Sorry. We should know this. It's <laughs> Googleable, but we don't, and we're sticking to our norm. So anyways, <laughs> you see his ticket get thrown away, which would be why they didn't have mm-hmm. an extra ticket hanging around. So that means the family gets on the plane, and something is bothering his mom, and yes. she knows her instincts are kicking in. P.S. Mom is played by one of our faves, Catherine, Catherine O'Hara. O'Hara. Yes, our Moira Rose, darling. Mm-hmm. We love her. Okay, so what can we talk about with that scene? So mine may feel a little, like Jenny said earlier, on the nose, but I think of, remember writing the sub plans? Yep. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you, I would spend at least an hour crafting my sub plans. And if I had to be out, I was always worried that something would have been forgotten or I messed something up so that if I was sick, I could never really unplug or take care of myself because I was always worried about that one aching thing that I may have missed. We as teachers, especially I think elementary teachers, are so good at creating learning protocols and procedures so that the class could still run when we're gone. But I think there's always that nagging feeling that we have that something might have fallen through the cracks. So that's my connection. Mine is kind of related to yours. I was actually just thinking of like the month of August or the Sunday scaries, Mm -hmm. right? Because I think it is so common that feeling of like that point in the summer where the anxiety dreams start kicking in or Mm -hmm. like just kind of feeling like, oh my gosh, am I ready? And I think what's interesting about that scene is like, she's like, well, well, did we do this? Did we do that? And it's never any of the stuff that she's thinking that really is the problem. So she obviously has a reason to be upset there. And I'm not saying going to connect it that far with Sunday scaries. But I do think that usually the things that we're most freaking out about or anxious about during those times Mm -hmm. helps us to remember that it's not that we left the garage open. The thing that we think is going to be the problem never is. Mm -hmm. And we never really are going to be completely ready for a new week or a new school year. It's just sometimes about writing out that feeling and then figuring out what to do with the thing that happens or with the bag that you're holding that week or that year. Interesting. So the one that I thought of is when it comes to them as parents, I think of leadership. Right. And so you just have so much swirling around. You think of them getting in the car and they're counting off all the people and they've got all of the complexity of the work that they need to do to get people up and at them and on their way. And when I think of leadership, I think that this is a a similar thing. You've got so much going on. It's really hard for us to remember all of the things. However, do you guys remember where she Catherine O'Hara and her husband sit on the plane. First class. They sit in first class. So all the kids are sitting in the back and they're sitting on first class. So here I am once again, drawing lines to administrators as parents and teachers as kids. And I hate that, but I got to go there because that's where my brain's at right now, even though I don't really believe it. And I just think of as a leader, if you're sitting in first class all the time, you're not rolling up your sleeves, you're not sitting with the kids, Mm -hmm. you're not in the classroom, you're not seeing what's really right under your nose, you might miss some things. And so I think that there's something to be said about if we're always sitting in the glass tower, 
hour, if we're always sitting in the first class, we're going to miss some things. Mm -hmm. Whereas leaders that really get into the main cabin of the the work are really going to be much more in tune with the things that need to happen and what kind of problems might need to be solved in the moment. Well, and I I think once they get on the plane, they get into that feeling of comfort and calm. And I think if they had been sitting back with the rest of the family yep. in coach, they would have noticed like, oh my God, where's <laughs> yeah. Kevin? They, they wouldn't have on their way back to Monaco. Exactly. They would have caught the problem and already had the capacity to do something about it exactly. instead of being up in the air. Good one. I like that. Okay. So we kind of drew reference to this earlier and these are kind of two concepts that we're going to pair that show mm-hmm. up in the movie. So the next thing we're going to talk about is first of all, there's that we mentioned the gangster movie that Kevin is watching throughout, you know, and again, he watches kind of a version in the second mm-hmm. movie to keep the change, you filthy animal, you know, angels with filthy souls is the name of that movie, by mm-hmm. the way. It says on the <laughs> VHS. I'm just going to say that. <laughs> And then also there is kind of a similar way that Kevin reacts to the furnace in his basement. Mm -hmm. Uh, It kind of freaks him out. And actually, so does the movie at first. So connections, anyone? I'm going to start with the furnace because I distinctly remember my grandmother having a furnace that freaked me out similar (laughs) to that. Like not exactly that furnace, but thinking about him being afraid and nervous around something that's very noisy, that's the the squeaky wheel, if you will. And I think as coaches, sometimes it's difficult. I'll, I'll just lampshade myself. Sometimes it's really difficult to work up the courage to work with those individuals because of that feeling they create in you. But I will tell you that those are sometimes the best clients that we as coaches get to work with when they actually do start making gains, turning a corner, because they can become your greatest advocates. So once Kevin builds up his courage and says, ah, shut up to the furnace, he stands up to it. But for me, it's from the coaching lens of once you really build that relationship with that squeaky wheel kind of individual. It can be really a rewarding partnership. I actually saw this akin to the concept of constructive feedback. Mm. So a couple things to know about this. At the beginning, he watches that gangster movie and he's scared. Mm -hmm. Later, what does he do with that gangster movie? He uses it multiple times. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He uses it to mess with the pizza guy. And then he actually uses it to like completely save his butt with the robbers later. Like he scares them with that and they think there's other people Mm -hmm. in the house, right? And then with the furnace too, like he's freaked out by it. But when he finally gets his head around it, he uses that basement itself to great effect in that film. Like there are entire, we'll get to this later, entire things that happen to these burglars in that basement Uh where he had to spend a substantial amount of time living there Mm -hmm. with something that used to scare him. So what I would say is if we are can become comfortable living with and getting in there with the constructive feedback we're given and really getting in to see it as something that helps us grow and helps us use utilize the tools we have as an educator and find new tools that we maybe couldn't access before, we will all be better for it. We might even save ourselves a few times. I love that. I'm right there with you guys. I was thinking similarly, the transformative power of usually our are really in our stretch zones where we are not the most comfortable, where we really just want to curl back and get into our comfort. And this is where he finds his leverage points 
to do the most powerful work in the show and actually just be parts of the the climax of what he's doing when it comes to saving his home and keeping himself safe and that sort of thing. So I feel like that there's just something to be said and a lesson to be learned that in those stretch zones, in that place where you may not be comfortable, you're a little bit itchy, you are going to find your leverage points. So lean in. Awesome. So speaking of awesome, we're now going to address a kind of minor (laughs) character in the movie, but large character in our hearts played by the late, great John Candy. This would be the, was his name name Gus or am I making that up? I think it might've been Gus. Anyways, he's the guy who has the whole polka band that drives a van and ends up taking Kate McAllister the rest of the way back to Kevin. I think for me, when I think about that scene, Catherine O'Hara's character is at her wit's end. She's been working so hard to try to get back to her son, and she's making this emotional plea to the ticket agent and this kind man who does not know her, hears her story and does the the only thing in his power to help her and bring her home and across that finish line. And I'm thinking of trauma-informed practices, right? You, One of the greatest things a teacher can do is sit with a student who is experiencing something that feels overwhelming, that feels insurmountable, and just being present and doing what you can within your power to help that individual. We've all been there in our coaching conversations as well. But I think it's something that can be really draining and scary for teachers without that experience or background. But it can be the most impactful. And we see the gratitude in Catherine O'Hara when she finally has a glimmer of hope to get home to her son. Very nice. Really what I thought of with Gus, if his name is actually Gus. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, John Candy's character seems to me to represent just a question we could all ask ourselves is who else could I have on my team? Mm. So a lot of us think of our teams as like the typical people that we work with, as people who teach the same subject or teach the same grade level, or even like a trusted instructional coach or, you know, someone on the leadership team. But like, I think it can be really important for us to think outside the box and expand our team. Maybe there's a librarian, maybe Mm. there's an EL staff member, a paraprofessional that you could be really leveraging to get the most out of or to help you progress monitor your students. Yeah, expand your team. Mm-hmm. Think about who else is in there in your school or in your community who could mm-hmm. help you reach students in a different way to get to the kids or in this case, your your little Kevin. Mm-hmm. Who is it that you need to get to to get to them faster and more effectively than you would have on your own or with your typical team of people? So again, we talk a lot about the power of highly functioning teams, but mm-hmm. don't be afraid to shake up the makeup of those teams and see who else is there and challenge yourself a little. You guys are right there with mine as well. I just think, first of all, shout out to Milwaukee. I mean, I think yes. it's great. She, she's bringing in external help from outside of the area. They went out of their way to help her. Again, sometimes the help comes from the most unlikely places. And uh, who doesn't love a good brass polka band? Mm-hmm. Right? Okay, so this is a biggie, really central to the later plot of the movie. But uh, what we want to think about is at the part before Kevin is going to do battle with Marvin, Harry, the two burglars, he unrolls a huge (laughs) battle plan layout of what he's going to do. So what do we have to say for that? Oh, it just reminds me, uh, even though it is written in crayon, (laughs) 
(laughs) It just the meticulousness, the clarity with which Kevin executes his vision later on, to me just reminds me of a simple, straightforward to the point a great lesson plan, right? We know where we're going. We know our ultimate goal is to protect the house. And so what are the different steps, multiple steps am I going to take to get there? I'm right there with you. This one was going to be short and sweet. I was thinking about backwards design. So he started with his objective and then he kind of moved with what were some of the tools that he had at his disposal. He worked with what he had. He didn't reinvent the wheel and he did it with great effect because he designed it intentionally. Mm -hmm. That's where my brain went first. But really when I'm thinking about this, I also was thinking about the student lens. So when we think about kids, sometimes we underestimate really what they're capable of doing. And so you think of Kevin early on in that movie, he's constantly underestimated by his family, by his siblings, his mom. He just feels disenfranchised a little bit. But throughout this movie, he really grows and he has a lot of independence. Whether or not it was meant to be that way, he had and was given that independence. He was given that ability to grow and not have everything controlled or planned out for him. So I just think it's really cool. And it's when we start to empower our students to do the work, do the thinking, the heavy cognitive lifting, that's when you really see them shine. And that's what he's doing there. He is able to do that because he's got to take care of himself and his family and protect his home. I just think it's great. Well, and it even brings the movie full circle because that's one of the family's like salt in the wound things they say to him as he's dragged out in the main scene like you're helpless Kevin what yeah. can you do you're and he's just being, a little baby you can't even pack a suitcase exactly but yet he's able to defend his house from these two terrible <laughs> Yes. And what did they call themselves? The wet bandits. <laughs> <laughs> They're not even good at what they do. No. <laughs> like, the it was just so cool to see. So I love that constant reminder of get out of their way mm-hmm. and see what they can create. It's awesome. Good connection. Love that. Okay. Last one and then game time. So we'll try to keep it going quickly. The last one is the snow shovel guy, also known as Old Man Marley. Again, a source of fear early on, not so much later. What can we say? No, like, and this reminds me of, I know I kind of said it earlier, but understanding someone's story right? You at first, Buzz tells the story of how old man Marley is this murderer and he killed his family and they're in the garbage ice container that he sprinkles around the neighborhood. But you find out that he is estranged from his family and it gives a point of common ground between Kevin and old man Marley that just gives a sense of protection and cover at the very, very end of the movie where The plan has been executed, but he didn't get as far as he needed to. So I really love that once you understand your classroom's story, their colleague's story, then you really have the potential to create some transformative learning experiences for people. Yeah, Casey, the one that sticks out to me in this one is don't judge a book by its cover. Mm-hmm. Old Man Marley, it's easy to judge him when on the onset he he has a reputation. And when I think of coaching, if we are judging people in any way or if we start to listen to the reputation, we may not be able to effectively do the work that we need to do with the, the educators that we work with. And so it's really important, as we've always known and learned, that it's really, really important that we're not judging the people that we work with and we give them a fair chance. And it's not until Kevin actually 
gives this guy a chance and really talks and gets to know him, like you said, mm-hmm. gets to know his story, that really there's more depth to that person there. And with any educator that we're working with, as gruff as they may seem on the onset, we really still need to give them that chance and to have that open line of communication and ability to be willing to just check them out and get to know them and work with them. Mine is kind of related to both of these and to which I would say it's just the importance of the lesson, uh, connections and relationships first, mm-hmm. content, learning, and drive Initiative second. second. Initiative second, <laughs> yeah. truly. Because think of what would have happened if instead of the entire battle plan and all the shenanigans, Kevin had just gone to every neighbor's house to see if someone was there to help him. If he had gone to Marley's house, he would have gotten help. That guy yeah. was nice. He would have helped him out, but he didn't think of it in that context. He went with all the new initiatives first, mm-hmm. right? The defend the house initiative, the eat total junk food initiative, <laughs> not in that order. But if he had just, you know, made a connection or been willing to reach out and prioritize that connection, that he would have had that nice friendship with his neighbor first, and mm-hmm. he would have been totally saved from all the issues yeah. that he faced later on. So just something for us all to think about. So lesson learning time is over, guys. It yes. is game time. <laughs> okay, so for this game, we the, we mentioned we were going to get into the burglars and the traps and the, the actual ins and outs of Kevin's battle plan later, right? So here we go. Ugh, this at just when we watched this movie recently, that first scene where they're going up to the house and Kevin has spilled water. And the, oh, who was Joe Pesci is walking up and he slips consistently. My six-year-old thought that was the freaking funniest thing. <laughs> on the this, this, this movie holds up, man. My yes. kids yep. love this movie. Yeah, mine were howling <laughs> when they watched this for sure. Kids still love it. And yeah. it, again, the physical comedy in these scenes is bonkers. But mm-hmm. make no mistake, this is a very violent movie. <laughs> um, yep. So what we were going to go through and do here for our little game was we're going to kind of run down the list of all of the different acts that Kevin, all his different traps that he puts in the house. And we're going to try to guess which one the others in the guild would find so awful or cringe or painful that they would quit robbing the house if they were similarly (laughs) motivated to the wet bandits. Not that we ever would be. And I think lampshading the fact that I think for any of us here, that very, very first one where he gets the BB gun to the face is most likely where we would have turned back. But some of these would have just, just get us on the edge. Yeah. Which one is extra. Okay. So I'm going to run down the list real quick and then we'll try to figure out what would fell each of us or deter each of us from robbing the house. First and foremost, there's the BB gun to the face and to other parts uh, (laughs) through the little doggy door. There's the ice on the stairs that Casey mentioned that happens both on the upstairs and the basement stairs. There's the pulling on the light switch and having the iron come and hit him in the face through the laundry chute. There's the tar on the stairs where his shoes and socks come off and then he steps on a nail. Then he also steps on Christmas ornaments later, broken glass. And then there's the burning of his hand on the door handle with the the hot what is that, a poker or like a fire starter that's yeah. on the door handle? Yeah, something like that. Uh, there's the blowtorch attached to the doorway where it... <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
my gosh. This, this is so hard to even read off, you guys. <laughs> There's the part where he gets the plastic wrap full of glue in the face, and then like the fan goes on and shoots feathers all over him. They slip on the micro-machine cars on the floor, a little callback to earlier in the movie. There's the part where the paint cans get sent down the stairs and whack them in the face. They also trip over a wire and fall on their faces. And then there's the part where Kevin puts the tarantula on mm -hmm. his face, and then the Joe Pesci character, I think, hits him with the crowbar, right? Yeah. 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 And then finally, they're climbing across to the treehouse to grab him, and then he cuts the rope and down they go one more time. Yes. So at what point would our compadres here fall off or not be able to do it anymore? Like, to me, it's the nail. I couldn't even watch the nail anymore. <laughs> did I do it wrong? I you totally did it wrong. The answer. <laughs> <laughs> so, guys, what do you think mine would be? <laughs> Casey's forfeiting the game. I can actually yes. win. Jenny, you've got a shot. <laughs> Dang. So Emily and I are playing now. Yes, yes. <laughs> I mean, you can guess what would take us out, Casey. Feel free. Okay. But we're going to take yours as oh. a freebie. Yep. I feel like, Jenny, yours, because you, you at least have told me about the box in your house where toys go to eventually get either tossed or the donated. Go to die. <laughs> I think the micro machines would have been just very, very annoying to you. Even though they come later in the movie, I would say micro machines for you. Emily, whew, there's something... <laughs> Like the blowtorches they're all bad they're all yeah, terrible they're but i just you have such <laughs> amazing hair <laughs> it would be just <laughs> such you. a travesty for that to befall you so those would be my two it's so nice of you to say yes. <laughs> okay let me think here i actually think well i definitely think casey wouldn't do a nail in the front <laughs> Because the reason I'm guessing Casey doesn't want the nail in the foot. Yes. <laughs> yes. Wow. Bonus points for Yay. everyone. It's a Christmas miracle, Jenny. <laughs> All right. So, Jenny, I am thinking that you would really struggle with the iron in the face. And I just think that because you tend to think about things methodically, and that is actually a definite two injuries in one in terms of like getting concussed with an iron falling all the way down on you. And he is burned in the face. Ergo, I think that just the general method to it wouldn't settle well with you. Do I say what I think yours is yeah, before you've got we answer? Guess, you've got to guess mine. Oh, okay. So I think for Emily, because Casey, I already beat you on that one. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> she's like, she's giving it's me the death clear. <laughs> it's 11. <laughs> I'm going with the tarantula for Emily. I don't know. They're just, you, you've mentioned it a couple of times tonight as we were preparing. I think it's something with the arachnid fuzziness it crawling on your face. I don't think you can handle the bug. Mm. All right, so now do we have to do we have to reveal what yeah. our no? I wonder what Casey's is. I wonder. I'll give you tired points. We've been doing yes. a lot of traveling today. Okay, so Casey's going to get like half a point here because mine was actually like the burn on the hand in the oh. door. You have the most nerve endings in your hands, right? Mm -hmm. So that would be incredibly painful. But similarly to the blowtorch thing, like, yeah, I'm vain about my hair. You're mm -hmm. totally right about that. But also burns are incredibly painful, mm -hmm. really, really painful. So I wouldn't have gotten past that doorknob, fam. I would have been hitting the mm -hmm. road, hand in the snow, deuces. Mm -hmm. I could go rob another house. <laughs> <laughs> For me, 
I think I stumped you both. I didn't go with the one that would be the most painful or the the one that would be, well, this one, will, they're all painful. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't as obvious maybe for your guests. But if you remember, I do not have any collections. I do, I'm a minimalist. I don't like a lot of things, but there's one thing I do really love, and that is Christmas ornaments. Oh. If you guys know, I have a ton of Christmas ornaments, and they're all like lots of them that are antique. They're Italian blown glass. So oh. just the thought of the broken ornaments on the floor and stepping on all of this glass just makes my heart cry. So it breaks your heart it, and your. I feet. know. I just cannot. <laughs> so that's where I'd be out. I could not oh. walk on more ornaments. No way. Well, Casey gets. Two days worth of, what is it, aftershave to the face for not following the rules correctly. <laughs> well, let's see. But, and neither of us really guessed each other. But so I want a prize for I, winning. Do I, I beat Casey? No, you both got full points. We get full points. Yes. 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 So take it what I can take. All right. We get to split a cheese pizza, pizza. <laughs> between the two of us. Good job, fam. <laughs> well, enjoy your cheese pizza, ladies. And from all of us here at GLG, we wish you happiness, health, and family and rest during the holiday season. And keep the change, you filthy animal. Yep. See you on the See Pop ya. Culture Winter Wonderland next time. Bye. And that's a wrap on today's episode. It's always so fun to be behind the mics talking to you, our GLG fam. Thanks for choosing to come around to engage with our guild's content as we passionately continue to advocate for adult learners with transparent conversations about the world of education, impactful leadership, and the power of high-functioning teams. The Grounded Learners Guild is a production of Grounded Learning, LLC. If you'd like to connect, the power of the PLN continues. As always, you can find us on our website, thegroundedlearnersguild.com. While you are there, check out our past episodes, our socials, and learn how you can bring the GLG flavor to your next professional learning event. And yep, you know, your feedback is everything. Feedback is that powerful tool that allows us to be responsive to the topics that matter to you most. If you haven't yet already or are finding us for the first time, leave us a review and hit that subscribe button. You can find us wherever you stream. Thanks as always for tuning in to be a part of the Grounded Learners Guild. That's it for us, Casey, Emily, and me, Jenny, in today's episode. See you all at the next Guild meeting. And don't forget, in the meantime, do your best to stay grounded.